Good morning to each one of you. It's been a blessing to be here already this morning. Uh, Ivan's uh, Sunday school class was very, very uplifting. I enjoyed that very much. If you could imagine with me a bit this morning uh, that we're over in the gym and there's a crowd of people uh, milling around a bit and there's a little boy comes running in from outside and he grabs his mother's arm and he has a very concerned look on his face and he has trouble standing still and he's just doing this little Indian dance and you're across the room watching this. What do you assume his problem is? Someone tell me. What's his problem? Okay. <laughs> okay, we can't be 100% sure, but Joe, why, why do you think the bathroom might be a problem? Okay. Okay, so you're saying what? Okay, you're saying you've been there. You you kind of know <laughs> you know how that feels. Yeah. Now it's somebody a big boy may have stumped on his toe, you know. We we can't be 100% sure what his problem is, but but we can, we can be fairly sure because we know. We know how that feels. We've been there. Now, this morning, what I'd like to talk about is a little like that. We can't be 100% sure, but, but we kind of know it when we see it because we're pretty familiar with it. It, uh, it happens to us. We've been there. You know, every two-year-old has, has two questions that that they're grappling with. One is, can I do what I want to? And the other is, do I really have to obey authority? Um, every two-year-old is grappling with, with those two questions. And if this little two-year-old doesn't get those questions answered right, uh, they're in for a pretty rough, road. As they get older, it's going to be harder to get those questions right. You fast forward 10, 20 years, and they're still grappling with these questions. They will begin making decisions that have lifelong consequences and eternal implications. So it's, it's, it's important for this little two-year-old to answer those questions correctly. As parents, if telling our children no just means, you know, it's time to plead and to pout, to turn on charm, to, to do anything and everything to get that no changed to a yes, we are failing as parents. 
if no just starts that whole circus. Uh, there's something wrong with our approach. Children that don't understand no are frustrating to parents, to teachers, to employers, to Bible school deans, to Bible school principals, to youth leaders, to pastors. It's an important part of becoming what God wants us to be. And if we as parents have children growing up not getting these questions right, we are making it difficult for them to take a no from their heavenly father. So it, it is something we want to think about seriously. The title of the message this morning is A Rebellious Heart is a Serious Thing. A Rebellious Heart is a Serious Thing. Now I'm not aware that that there's any rebellious hearts in here this morning. Uh, I put this sermon together a number of months ago. It was right after youth camp. Uh, I was very blessed by youth camp. It went so smoothly. Uh, I think the youth leaders would agree with me. Uh, everybody cooperated. There were no problems. There was no lying awake at night wondering what our youth are doing. Uh, and since that, we've had a youth rally that again went very, very smoothly. And thanks to you as parents, uh, we can only deal with the kind of young people you send us. Uh, and when you do your job, it makes our job so much easier. And thank you so much. So... I thought it was a good time to look at the subject when there's no glaring problems that I'm aware of. Oftentimes, that's the best time to look at things. Uh, it, it can help. Now, all of us are aware that none of us are immune from grappling with these little two-year-old questions. Hopefully, we've made progress since we were two years old, but but those questions never totally leave us. They're, they're there. From, from the oldest person here this morning to the youngest, those questions are still there. And they need to be daily answered correctly or we run into problems. Let's turn in our Bibles to Nehemiah chapter 9. The setting here is uh, in chapter 8, they gathered the people together and Ezra uh, brought out the law that had been missing from the people's lives. They hadn't been reading it. They hadn't been obeying it. And so the, the law was read before God's people. And the people responded in a proper way to the law. As we go over into chapter 9, there's, there's repentance. There's separating uh, 
their strange wives that God told them they should not have. They separated themselves from the, the strange wives and, and they were worshiping the Lord. And then uh, the Levites kind of, it appears, led out in a prayer to God uh, for many things that he had done through them through the years. So we, we won't read all that, but we want to drop down to verse 16, and this is the text for this morning. Nehemiah 9, verse 16. But they and our fathers dealt proudly and hardened their necks and hearkened not to thy commandments and refused to obey, neither were mindful of thy wonders that thou didst among them, but hardened their necks and in their rebellion appointed a captain to return to their bondage. But thou art a God ready to pardon, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and forsookest them not. That's what I'd like to look at this morning. Here these people had rebellious hearts, but there was a God full of mercy, ready to pardon, and did not forsake them. And we serve that same kind of God today, and unfortunately, we, we're the same kind of people prone to having a rebellious heart. You know, God has laws. Uh, a good example is gravity. You know, and the older I get, the more gravity works, it seems. You know, plywood is heavier than it was 30 years ago. Uh, we were helping Ben and Juanita move yesterday, and... You know, furniture's heavier than it used to be. Maybe it's better quality, I don't know. But uh, gravity is working. You know, we don't have to believe gravity. We don't have to understand gravity. We don't have to respect gravity. But it's still there. And there will be consequences for not respecting it. And that's true for all of God's laws. They're there. We don't have to believe them. We don't have to respect them. But we will bear the consequences. And some of the consequences are not, not as obvious as gravity. Nevertheless, the consequences are there and, and we will deal with them. A rebellious heart is a serious thing. We want to look at three areas. Where did rebellion start? What are some of the symptoms of a rebellious heart? And what is the solution if we discover we have a rebellious heart? Where did these, these questions that we talked about the, that the little two-year-old is struggling with? You know, can I do anything I want to? Or do I have to obey authority? Uh, where did those questions come from? Where did they start? Uh, let's turn to Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 14, I think, would give us some clues, maybe. Isaiah 14, uh, starting in verse 12. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? 
How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Here we see Lucifer deciding that no, he does not need to obey authority, and yes, he can do whatever he wants to. In uh, Luke 10, it appears like, like Jesus is referring to this. Uh, Luke chapter 10, verse 18. Jesus says this, I beheld Satan as lightning falling from heaven. And if we go to, to Revelation, Revelation chapter 12, we can uh, see again, and, and I'm not, I'm, I don't claim to be a theologian. Maybe these aren't all totally related. Uh, I tend to be much more practical than theological, but hopefully biblical. Uh, Revelation 12, 7 through 11. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels, and prevailed not, neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, the old serpent, called the devil, and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto the death. And this may be referring also to the, the final uh, uh, placement of Satan and, and us as God's people finally being free from Satan forever and from you know, the sin and, and the pull of this, this world on, on our walk with God. But that's where it started. It started with, with Satan. And ever since that, we as human beings struggle with these questions. Can we do what we want to, or do we really have to obey authority? So what are some of the symptoms of a rebellious heart? In uh, Genesis chapter 3, we, we see the first human beings being uh, deceived, but opening themselves up to deception. In Genesis chapter 3, a very familiar verses. Let's read uh, 1 through 6 here. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. 
And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and that the tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat it, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. Deception. Now, deception and rebellion are not the same thing. But when we begin to question, we open ourselves up to deception. And and there's a relationship to a rebellious heart and questioning against better knowledge, which I think is what Eve was doing here. She knew, she understood what God had said, but she began to question and was deceived. I'm not sure Adam was deceived, but he did partake. You know, murmuring, complaining, questioning, these are, these are symptoms of a rebellious heart. Let's go to Numbers, Numbers chapter 12. Numbers chapter 12, we have, we have a story here. Again, familiar story, but it, it tells us something. Uh, Miriam and Aaron are, uh, are questioning Moses' authority and why he, he takes so much responsibility on himself when they too are very much a part of the leadership of the children of Israel. And they too uh, hear God and they too have a relationship with God. And, and why is he uh, putting himself over them? Uh, we'll read uh, the first few verses here. Miriam and Aaron spake against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married, for he had married an Ethiopian woman. And they said, Hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Hath he not spoken also by us? And the Lord heard it. We should remember, the Lord hears everything we say, everything we think. A good reminder. Now the man Moses was very meek above all men which are upon the face of the earth. And the Lord spake suddenly unto Moses and unto Aaron and unto Miriam, Come out ye thee unto the tabernacle of the congregation. And the three came out. And the Lord came down in the pillar of cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and called unto Aaron and Miriam. And they both came forth. And he said, Hear now my words, if there be a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will make myself known unto him in a vision and will speak unto him in a dream. My servant Moses is not so, who is faithful in all my house. With him I will speak mouth to mouth, even apparently, and not in dark speeches. And the multitude of the Lord shall he behold. Wherefore, then were ye not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? 
And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, and he departed. And the cloud departed off the tabernacle, and behold, Miriam became leprous, white as snow. And Aaron looked upon Miriam, and behold, she was leprous. And Aaron said unto Moses, Alas, my Lord, I beseech thee, lay not this sin upon us, wherein we have done foolishly, and wherein we have sinned. Let her not be as one dead, of whom the flesh is half consumed upon when he cometh out of his mother's womb. And Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, Heal her now, O God, I beseech thee. And the Lord said unto Moses, If her father had spit in her face, should she not be ashamed seven days? Let her be shut out of the camp seven days, and after that let her be received in again. And Miriam was shut out of the camp seven days, and the people journeyed not till Miriam was brought in again. And afterward the people removed from Hazroth and pitched in the wilderness of Paran. Now here we see uh, rebellion, rebellious hearts, people uh, questioning the authority that God had put over them. And, and God was angry. Rebellious heart is a very serious thing. And God does not look kindly on people with rebellious hearts. One thing that is, is a real blessing here is the immediate confession and repentance. And we can see how God honored that. In our text, we read, you know, God longs to pardon. God longs to pardon every rebellious heart. He's full of mercy and kindness. And we can see it extended here to, to Miriam and to Aaron. It does appear like maybe Miriam was, was leading the charge but Aaron was supporting her and, and felt uh, that he had sinned as well. And God certainly did pardon them. Now let's just go back a few more chapters. We have a similar situation, but a very different outcome. In uh, Numbers chapter 16, Again, here we have a familiar story and a very similar charge, but the outcome is drastically different. Let's read verses 1 through 3. Now Korah and the sons of Izar and the son of Kohath and the son of Levi and Dathan and Abaram and the sons of Eliab and On the sons of Peleth the sons of Reuben took men. And they rose up before Moses with certain of the children of Israel, 250 princes of the assembly, famous in the congregation, men of renown. And they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron and, and said unto them, Ye take too much upon you, seeing all the congregation are holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Wherefore then lift ye up yourselves above the congregation of the Lord? Sounds very similar, doesn't it? Same thing, that 
that Miriam and Aaron were saying. You know, we're, we're all God's people. We're all holy. Uh, why do you take so much upon yourself? Well, let's, let's uh, fast forward here. I think we're fairly familiar with the story. Let's go uh, to verse 32 and see the response. The earth opened up her mouth and swallowed them up and their houses and all the men that appertained to Korah and all their goods. They and all that appertained to them went down alive into the pit and the earth closed upon them and there and they perished from among the congregation. And all Israel that were around them fled at the cry of them. For they said, lest the earth swallow us up also. And there came out a fire from the Lord and consumed the 250 men that offered incense. Why the difference? There was no repentance. There was no acknowledging that they had sinned and God dealt with them. Let's go on. The next day, verse 41, but on the morrow, all the congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron, saying, ye have killed the people of the Lord. And it came to pass when the congregation was gathered against Moses and against Aaron, that they looked toward the tabernacle of the congregation and behold, the cloud covered it and the glory of the Lord appeared. And Moses and Aaron came before the tabernacle of the congregation. And the Lord spake unto Moses saying, get you up from among this congregation that I may consume them as in a moment. And they fell upon their faces. And Moses said unto Aaron, take a censer and put fire therein off the altar and put on incense and go quickly unto the congregation and make atonement for them, for there is wrath gone out from the Lord. The plague is begun. And Aaron took as Moses commanded and ran into the midst of the congregation. And behold, the plague which had begun among the people. And he put on incense and made an atonement for the people. And he stood between the dead and the living and the plague was stayed. Now they that died in the plague were 14,700, besides them that died about the matter of Korah. And Aaron returned and Moses onto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, and the plague was stayed. A rebellious heart is a serious thing. You know, First of all, it was a relatively small group, if you can call 250 people and their families. Doesn't sound real small, but the next day, there was again a challenge to the leadership. What are you doing? What have you done to God's people? Rather than learning from what had happened the day before, they again question and murmur against their leadership and God punishes them again. 14,700. A rebellious heart is a serious thing. 
Let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 15. This is again a very familiar story. We won't read the story here. Uh, we're familiar with how God had told Saul, you know, you go and you, you utterly destroy the Amalekites. You, you destroy everything. And Saul did obey partially, but not completely. And then Samuel comes and challenges him. And Samuel says this in verse 22 of, of 1 Samuel 15. Samuel said, Hath the Lord a great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. You know, Saul tried to make this into something holy. You know, we, we didn't quite obey the way you told us to, but, but we had a good intent. You know, we're going to sacrifice these choice lambs. We're going to sacrifice them to God. And Samuel makes it clear. God wants an obedient heart. And that's what he's looking for. So what is the solution if you and if I discover that we have a rebellious heart? 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's a promise. That's a promise God has made to you and to me. That he will forgive. He will be faithful and cleanse us. Repentance. Turning around. Going the other way. Which is the way of submission. You know, Scripture tells us that Jesus was submissive to Joseph and Mary. That should tell us something. Now, we don't know, we don't fully understand how Jesus' childhood was and, and how, what all was going on in his mind and his heart. But the fact that, that he was a submissive son when at some point he obviously knew that, that he was chosen by God to fulfill his role as, as the perfect sacrifice. He could have educated his parents about many things that they didn't understand, but he was submissive to them. He was submissive to his heavenly father. We read as the time of the cross was coming and he knew full well the, the suffering and pain that he would go through. He pleaded with his father that, is there some other way? But if there isn't, you know, it's your will, not mine. Obedience. In Hebrews chapter 5, let's turn there. We we see this thing of obedience being so important. 
Hebrews chapter 5, let's begin reading at verse 6. And he saith also in another place, Thou art a priest after the order of Melchizedek, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him, that was able to save him from death, and was heard in that he feared. Though he were a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. That's us. All of them that obey him. Obedience was important for Jesus. It's important for you and for me. Respect is another solution for a rebellious heart. We're, we're running out of time, but we know the story well, how uh, King Saul was chasing David. And David had already, uh, God had already told David that you will be the next king. And here he was fleeing for his life. And it was obvious that Saul was no longer a godly man, no longer feared God. And time and again, there was Saul right in front of David. He could have easily killed him. But there was a respect for the Lord's anointed. I cannot overemphasize the fact that God has authorities placed in our lives and there must be respect for those authorities in spite of their imperfections, in spite of their mistakes. If ever a man had the right to, to strike someone dead who was, was going against God, in so many ways, it was David. He had opportunity and it was happening right there in front of him, this ungodly king. But he didn't do it. He had respect for the Lord's anointed. May we learn from David. You know, back when I was seeking God's will about a lifetime companion, it was... Uh, a 10-year journey with lots of twists and turns. <laughs> you know, any young lady, and, and I looked at a lot of them, uh, spent seven years at SMBI, and a lot of very qualified young ladies came through there. Uh, any young lady that did not respect her father or other authorities in her life raised huge red flags in my mind. Why was that such a big deal to me? You know, I was not looking for a perfect young lady that had a perfect father. And I did not plan to be a perfect husband. But I was looking for a young lady that had figured some things out. And one of them was that she figured out she cannot do anything she wants to and that she has to obey authority. Those questions that hopefully she learned when she was two. You know, we're, 
We are deceived if we think as parents we can rebel against authorities in our lives but maintain the respect of our children and our authority over them. We're trying to defy gravity and it will not work. Parents, if, if we think that we can take our children's side against other God-given authorities in their lives, again, we're trying to defy gravity. It's not going to work. It does not work that way. Our children see it. They understand it much younger than we could, we could ever imagine. And, and the, damage, the damage is not easily repaired. The consequences can be eternal because we're dealing with these questions that hopefully a two-year-old is, is getting a hold of. A rebellious heart is a serious thing. You know, King Saul was killed in battle. Korah and his fellow rebels were swallowed up by the earth. Miriam and, Miriam and Aaron were saved because they repented. They had a repentant heart. They realized they had sinned. And like our text said, God is ready to pardon, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and of a great kindness, and he will not forsake us. Submission and obedience and respect is what God expects of his children. Let's check our hearts. If there's rebellion there, let's submit. Let's obey. Let's respect God. He knows. He knows what he's doing. Shall we have a song?